being in one place is not really my thing. So um, we'll see how that works. But I feel like if I move too far to the right or left, I will knock over a piano um, or a guitar or even the speakers that are on my right or left. Um, My name is Brandon. My wife, Meredith, and I pastor uh, this amazing church. Um, Even though you guys don't like sitting next to each other, so you left several seats in between, which is awesome. And uh, it's all good. It's kind of like family, though, right? Like if you're in your living room, you don't sit next to somebody. Even if they're they're one person on the couch, that couch is taken, right? You know what I mean? Um, So it's true, right? Like uh, Now, I, I try to sit next to my wife. She gets up and moves, so I don't know. That doesn't happen. She just sits in the chair that no one else can sit in, so she doesn't have to move. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited about the next couple weeks. The dinner party's launching weekly in September. It's going to be a blast. Uh, our nights of prayer have been awesome. Uh, how many of you have been to a night of prayer so far? It's been great, right? And, um, and we, our night of prayer this Wednesday is at Vickery where we normally meet, so 809 West Vickery. Love for you to be a part of that. Um, and and it's, it's a really cool thing for us to just get together and pray. We have a, a core value in our church that just simply says that we love to be front-footed. And I love, just even based on this worship this morning, I love that we have a church uh, that while it might be quote-unquote small, doesn't worship uh, like it's small, doesn't worship like what it's doing doesn't make a difference, uh, doesn't worship quietly or timidly, uh, but really gets after it. Now, it might take you one song or two to get there, uh, but, but you do it. And uh, I'm just super thankful for you guys jumping in and being a part of this and making it happen. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, we're in a series called Wind and Fire, following the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts. And we really usually take the summer to dive into a topic or a book that is uh, challenging or maybe allows us to kind of dig a bit deeper. So if you know, if you've been here, we started this the very first Sunday of July, and we're continuing it, and we'll continue it again next week. I think next week will be the official ending, uh, but I think at the first Sunday of September, we'll probably do a, a bit of a Q&A, which we really, really enjoy around here, uh, a little bit of a panel talk. And, uh, and if you ask, ask me a question I don't know, I will just tell you I don't know and move on. And uh, so we really enjoy those, so we'll see what happens. Uh, But Acts chapter 8, we've we've been in this series for a very good reason. Uh, We talked about this the very first week. Jesus says, don't go anywhere, to his disciples, he says, don't go anywhere until what my Father is going to give you has shown up. Don't go until the Holy Spirit shows up. It's paramount for you to have a living, breathing relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because I've called you to do something, but what I've called you to do requires something. And isn't it awesome that God didn't ask you to do something and didn't not give you something to do it? Right? We have a God who actually gave you what you need to get done what he's asked of you. And so your calling is not just dependent upon your own strengths and abilities, but it's actually dependent upon his. And so a little bit later, he says to his disciples, when the Holy Spirit shows up, there will be a power we like that word, right? Power. There's something about that word that feels good. Our world loves power. But the, the idea of that word power was special ability, that you will have a special ability, something that is not from you, but something that's actually given to you to accomplish what I've called you to do. 
And so we've been investigating this, and the wind and fire comes from Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit showed up. He kind of did it in a big way, right? He just showed up and made sure everybody knew he was there. It says the wind showed up and the fire showed up, and we've just said it this way. We've interpreted it this way for you is that uh, the, the wind uh, is what gets us moving, and the fire is what starts making us into what God's called us to. So the wind moves us, the fire makes us. Make sense? All right. Well, that's, it should, because it's good. I said it, and not all of you agreed, but whatever. We'll get there. I'm glad you're still here after I said that message, and you didn't agree with it. I don't know if anybody is a, uh, an aficionado of uh, Simon Says. Anyone good at Simon Says? Anybody think they're good at Simon Says? Because the concept of it seems so simple, and so you think you should be amazing at a game where all you have to do is listen for the word Simon, and then they don't say it, and you do it anyways, and you feel like a complete failure. You know, kids' games will make you feel that way. I have two, I have two boys, and children's games, more than any other games, will make you feel like you just do not add up. Like, you are not, anybody know what I'm talking about? And the kids get it. Like, they know. And, or you watch kids, and you are just as bad at Simon Says as your child that is four years old. I don't know about that, but I, I, uh, I, 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 I like Simon Says. I was thinking about having you guys come up here and, and actually play Simon Says. Some of you guys are, like, really smiling, like you really want to do that. That's why I'm not doing it, because I feel like um, it would get out of hand really quickly. But... Uh, the game Simon says, don't you, do you ever know that guy who plays the game and really just wants you to lose? I mean, I know that's kind of the intention, but you know that guy who just is really sneaky with the Simon, right? The guy who just throws in Simon or doesn't throw it in, or he'll do it without Simon like t 27 times just to get you when he does or to do it with Simon. And see, I'm already messing up the rules. I'm a failure. Uh, you, you, you know, the guy who says Simon a bunch of times. And, and, and I think sometimes, and maybe you can agree with me, sometimes I feel like, I feel like following God, I treat it like Simon says. Right? Like when he says to do something, and I don't do it, I feel like I'm out. Like God is up there, the Holy Spirit is there just trying to juke you, just trying to make you think he's going one way and then go the other way. And if you don't go with him, and if you don't realize he said, Jesus said, and if you don't catch that, then somehow you're a failure and somehow you're out of the game and you have to go to church at least twice before you can get back in the game. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But looking at me like that, you know what I'm talking about. You ever feel like following God can sometimes feel like someone's trying to mess with you? Like, is God asking me to do this? Is God requiring me to do this? Has anyone made a big move in their life recently and you were kind of the whole time? And even now, you're still kind of a little bit like, did you say Simon? Because I'm not sure if you said Simon. I'm like, I'm, wonder I'm still waiting for the Simon. I moved. Am I out? Like, is, this, is it done for the next five years? Do I have to, like, go through a whole process and, like, you know, talk to my pastor? And I don't think I heard the Simon, and I moved anyways. And I, I, feel, like, I feel like sometimes that's the way we operate. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not the way God operates. I feel like sometimes we think God is so small that if we mess up one little thing, he is just done. That somehow his plan is completely and totally derailed, and we will never, ever, 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 ever be able to get it back. I, I, I like to think of Simon. In fact, John 16, and, and it'll be up on the screen for you. John 16 says it this way. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will what? Guide you. Did it show up? There it is. Hey. 
I was wondering either you were really slow or he will guide you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. See, the, the, the Holy Spirit is here that he might lead us into something. That he might actually allow us to follow him where he is going. I, maybe you should think about it like this. And, and, and I go to these classes. I, get a, I, I have a personal trainer, but I, I, I don't. But I, I, um, I, I always talk about it, though. So I, I want to think about the Holy Spirit more like that, more like a personal trainer, more like someone who is showing you what to do. Rather than a judge who's standing at the front of a room hoping and waiting for you to mess up, I want to think about him like a trainer standing next to me showing me what I should do so that I can become everything I've been created to be. And everything I see in the Bible, that's what the Holy Spirit is. The, Bible, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He produces fruit in us. He gives gifts to us. He gives us discernment and leadership and wisdom. He gives us the word of prophecy. He gives us all these things so that we might operate in the place God has called us to operate in. And, and so we, we have to go to Acts because that's what the whole series is based upon. What does the Holy Spirit do in the book of Acts? The book of Acts is really the only place in the New Testament where we see in the lives of people what God is doing. In, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus and what he does, most of which is under the power of the Holy Spirit. We see that after he's baptized. We, we see Jesus working and operating. And then we see the book of Acts written by a guy named Luke for a guy named Theophilus. Right? He's commissioned to write this, so he's writing this book, and so he's shifted from what is Jesus doing, he's shifted then into the book of Acts where he's now beginning to follow what the disciples are doing, or maybe even better said, what the Holy Spirit is doing in the disciples. And then later on we begin to see uh, uh, Paul and, and many, a few other authors writing about the doctrine or the theology of God or what we believe about God, so we see things talked about, but in the book of Acts we see things walked out. And so if we want to be the church that we see in the book of Acts, then we need to read through the book of Acts. And I know when you talk about the Holy Spirit, we talked about the gifts last week. If you want to check that out, I don't know if it's online yet. We're, we're hoping we're working on it. Uh, but, but I would love for you to check that out. Ultimately, though, here's what we've said. We believe this. We, the, the whole point of the Holy Spirit is to point you to Jesus. The gifts, the fruit, the whole nine yards is to create in you a person that begins to not only point you, but point others to Jesus as well through your life. And so in the book of Acts, in, in, in chapter 8, I just want to read uh, through just a few uh, verses in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Are you there? All right, we got some people. All right, that's cool. <laughs> we're a small enough church, we hear if you do say it or don't say it. So, you know, if you don't want to be heard anymore, get more people here. That's all, you know, there you go. If you don't want, <laughs> worst motivational tool ever. Acts chapter 8 says it this way in verse 26. It says, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Verse 27, So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and high official of Candace, a queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah. He's reading it out loud. Verse 29 says, The Spirit told Philip, Go and join that chariot. Now I want you to understand what's happened so far. 
In just a span of a couple verses, we've seen the Holy Spirit give two directions, and they're always about moving, and they're always about taking a next step. See, we always love if the Holy Spirit would give us the end result, which we'll get to in just a moment, but he doesn't do that. In fact, he doesn't even give them one big step. He doesn't say, go to the desert road and go to this guy. He says, go to the desert road, and once Philip did that, then he says, go to this guy who's sitting in his chariot reading the Bible. I just want to just... That's how the Holy Spirit works. That's how God works. God speaks to us in steps. We don't like that. We would much rather have the end result, the picture on the box, so we can just kind of guess how this all goes together. But there is a step at a time, and when we take one step, he gives us the next step. I think it's kind of rigged, and, I, and here's why. I believe God's ultimate desire for us is to have relationship with him. And the way he sets it up is that the only way you can move into what God's called you to do is to stay in step with him, stay close to him, and so you have to be in relationship with him. And so here's Philip, and, and, and I love Philip, and I love even when Jesus walks by the disciples in, in the Gospels and he just simply says, hey, come and follow me, and they all drop their nets and they go. Like, these guys just do it. Like, they just go. We, we kind of live in a culture, and really in a world, but live in a culture maybe, maybe more so that, that kind of values what it has, sometimes even more than what it could have. And so our fear is not that we might not be successful, but it's that we might lose what we currently possess. Like, sometimes, and I'm not saying what you possess is bad, but I'm saying that sometimes if our possessions are keeping us from taking the next step, we need to reevaluate what we're listening to and what's guiding us and what's leading us. And so here's, here's Philip, and he says, hey, I want you to go, and I want you to go down to the road. All right, cool, I went to the road, now what? And then he says, I want you to go to the chariot where this man's standing. Now, I don't know about you, but I just feel like every once in a while I want some more details. Right? I just, I just want God to, like, show up, maybe leave a note on my nightstand so I wake up and I go, oh, how cool. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe even more uh, demonstrative, maybe rip the roof off, you know, do, do something. Like, give me something, you know, that maybe gives me, I don't, maybe you've never been there. Maybe you've never been in that place where you wish God would lay out seven more steps than just the one. I just find that he doesn't do that very often. Because ultimately, relationship is built on what? Trust. There is no more important thing in a relationship than trust. And the way we build trust with God is by continuing to take the steps that he's leading us to take. And as we take those steps, our trust is rewarded. And our trust is increased. And our trust is encouraged. And so what happens? When our trust grows, our relationship grows. And so sometimes the reason we haven't grown in our relationship with God, and this is not a but sometimes our relationship with God has not grown because we have not taken that step of trust that leads us into the next place of relationship. And so it's just that willingness to trust God wherever he's asking us to go that gives us and opens up for us a new avenue and a new level of relationship with him. Just like any other relationship. Remember, we're created in the image of God. We're going to talk about that in September. We're created in his image. And so the things that we desire often have, as at some level, have an origin with what he desires. He's put in us who, who he was, and so his desire for relationship is our desire for relationship. 
His desire for purpose is our desire for purpose. His desire to love people and be loved is his desire to love people and be loved. It, it, it's, it's the same kind of thing. And obviously we have to work out some stuff because we've maybe not done it so perfectly. But he desires it still the same. That we would walk in relationship with him. And so we continue down. It says in verse 30, when Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Don't you love that we got the New Testament? I'm just saying, like, Isaiah's cool, but have you ever read Isaiah? Like, I'm glad we got some Galatians in here, you know? Like, I'm glad we got, like, some Romans and stuff. I'm just, I'm just, all right, cool. When Philip ran up to him, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? Now, I, I just think this is interesting. Um, we see the Holy Spirit guide Philip to move where he moved, to go to the road and then go to the chariot. I don't see anything that says to Philip, speak up. Like nothing, the Holy Spirit doesn't go, okay, Philip, now say. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit is clearly evidenced in the Bible that he does do that. Okay, in fact, he, Jesus says to the disciples, I'll give you the words to speak. So, so, so I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm just saying Philip was in a place and in a posture in his life because this is a place where Saul, in fact, in the first part of uh, this uh, chapter, you'd see Saul persecuting the church, and it scatters the people. Unbeknownst to him, it actually makes the church stronger because the people who are scattered begin to share the message of the gospel. Right? And so this scattering actually begins to bless the church and bless the earth. And what happens is these guys are so passionate and so convinced and so trusting that Jesus is who he said he was and that Jesus is doing what he said he would do that they begin to speak it whenever they get the chance to speak it. And so here's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows all he's got to do with Philip is get him in the right place. Because he knows Philip's heart and posture is that once he's in the right place, he's going to take the right step. That once he gets him in the right place, he's going to be bold enough and courageous enough to speak up when he sees. And I love that Philip doesn't go, you know what that says, right? No, he goes, do you, do you know what you're reading? That's such a servant-hearted way of saying that question. It's such a like, hey, do you know, like, do you know what that's saying? And not like in a condemning, you know, like not that guy who walks up to you and you're reading your Bible and they go, do you really know what that says? Because I can tell you. Like I, yeah, I've read it before. It's really not that hard. Thanks, dude. That's not what Philip's doing here. Philip is saying, do you, do you understand? Philip's heart was that everyone would understand this good news that is in the name of Jesus Christ. He wanted so badly that people would know. So, so he gets positioned in a place for him to operate in what God's called him to. And see, some of us are waiting for the third time the Holy Spirit would speak. But maybe he moved you, and then he moved you again, and you were obedient. And now you're there. You just need to speak up. You just need to stand up. You just need to, you know what, have God on your lips. You know, it may not always be that you walk in every day at your, at your workplace and go, Jesus reigns. <laughs> like, yeah, don't do that. I mean, unless you really feel like God told you to do that, okay? But like, 
But maybe it is sitting down next to a friend of yours, and God has put you in this place, and you sit down next to the guy that walks in every single day, and you see on his face that he doesn't understand something. Something is frustrating him. Something is discouraging him. Something is hurting him. Something is causing him pain. Something is causing him to feel isolated, causing him to feel like he doesn't belong, causing him to feel like he isn't loved, and you are there. And so now you can go, hey, do you not, like, what's going on? And listen to what this guy says to, listen to what this guy says to Philip. I love this. He says, how can I, how can I, unless someone guides me? I love that because, because um, we, we read in John that he's, he calls the Holy Spirit our what? Guide. And then we're hearing Philip being called the same thing. In other words, when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you will lead people to Jesus. When you've surrendered your life and your expectations and your ego and what you, how, how you want things to work out, and, and I, I, we all struggle with that. I struggle with that every week, right? Well, it could be better this way. God, I don't know if you noticed this, but this is cool. And this is... But when you're led by God, you're led to people, and you lead people to Jesus. That's, that's the aim of this whole thing. See, some of us think our career is our calling. No, no, no. Your calling, your calling is to rule and reign on the earth. And not in the way that we hear, we hear that and we go, so you want us to be, well, no. We are to be people who bring onto the earth heaven. We are to be people who bring into the earth the presence and good news of Jesus Christ. And in that, we've been given assignments. And some of you are better at, per, at some things. Some of you are better at singing, and some of you are better at administrating, and some of you are better at this and better at that. And be okay with that. Lean in to that. But understand at the first, at the top level, our calling is first a corporate calling before it is an individual one. And when we are corporately called to take heaven into earth and to be the people who see Jesus on every street and in every heart, when we are those people, we actually begin to discover in that our true and real calling, the most fulfilling thing. That's why money doesn't actually make people stay at their job. It will only work for so long. Because at some point, they want to know that their heart is full. They want to feel fulfillment. They want to feel gratitude. They want to feel thankful. They want to know that what they're doing matters. It's why you have people who are paid more than 90% of the earth discouraged and frustrated. Why? Because they feel like it doesn't fill their life because money will never fulfill us. We're not made that way. We're not made to be outward, inward, fulfilled. We're made to be inward, outward, overflowing, right? We're meant to be people who are so full inwardly that our heart overflows. And so we'll be people that we have rivers of living water out of our life. So I don't want you to think the Holy Spirit's weird. He's not. He's actually there to guide you so you can be who you're called to be, point people to Jesus so that God would be glorified. Now, it might be... If, if your definition is weird is just not the way you wanted it to be, then maybe, yeah. But the way God works, I just find that we read the Bible. Every time I read something, I go, well, why would you do it that way? Well, why? Like, in the lion's den? Like, why not? Like, outside? 
in the fire. Why, why did you do it in the fire? Why, I don't understand. Why did you do the famine thing? And then, why did they have to be in Egypt and then set for, I don't understand why. You know, I just found it. I, I need to stop asking those questions. Like, he's big enough to handle those questions, but the sooner I can get on to, okay, whatever. Okay, I'm going to do what you do. Because I just have a feeling you're leading me into something. You're guiding me. You're making me stronger. And I don't care where I am. You with me causes me to be a person who overflows. Causes me to be a person that has rivers of living water flowing out of my life. Unless someone guides me. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to guide you so you can become a guide. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you so you can lead. I found that the more I submit to him, the, the more I can lead other people. Because I, I don't know if you know this, but, but authority only comes with submission. The more I'm submitted to my CEO, the more authority I eventually find myself in. And I never get promoted on my own authority. I'm always promoted on the person I have submitted myself to. And so if I haven't submitted myself to God, then how do I get promoted in what God's trying to do in my life? And so this, this idea of, you guys are with me today. This is fantastic. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's the acoustics and you love hearing your voice and it feels, I don't know, but this is fantastic. So he invited Philip to come up and eat with him. See, when you're willing to just serve and go, hey, do you know what you're, you're reading? No. You know what? Do you, you want to tell me? So I, I, I don't know. Screaming verses of people just doesn't seem to fit because I, I don't think that's serving anything. I, think, I feel like if you can serve somebody, then maybe you could actually sit with somebody. No, that, that wasn't in the notes. If you serve somebody, somebody write it down because I want to get it later. If you serve somebody, maybe you can sit with them. I found that Pastor Phil, who, runs, uh, who started C3, he, he, we, man, we, we serve Jesus to people. We serve him to people. It is the greatest way, it's the greatest way to see Jesus on every street and every heart is to serve every street and every heart. It's, it's, it, it's um, unbelievable to me that if I'll ask questions instead of say statements, I will find myself way farther down the line with people than if I just tell them everything I know. Are you with me? Okay. Let's keep reading. Verse 32. Now, the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep. This is, I hope someday someone gives you a verse like this, okay? He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shears, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And then the eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, what... Who is the prophet saying this about, himself or another person? So I think people have questions. You just have to listen long enough to let them ask it. So Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture, beginning with where this man was, he started to tell him about Jesus. Don't try to get people way down. No, just start with wherever they are. Man, you hurt? Okay, let's pray. Hey, you know, I need, I need wisdom. Okay, you know what? God says that there's wisdom in, in fearing him and, and, and putting him where he belongs. There's wisdom, so let's do that. Let's, let's lift up God and, and watch as we begin to find wisdom. Let's let, like start with wherever they are. And he leads them and he talks about Jesus. Here's what I want to tell you about this particular scenario. And, and it's a word that I feel like our culture doesn't love. Um, it's, 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 it's not a word that we enjoy. It's a word that um, when I say it to my children, 
um, they, they, they don't, well, one, because my one-year-old doesn't know what I'm saying, but my four-year-old just kind of, yeah, I'm not sure I'm down on that word just yet, um, but it's this word obedience. So yeah, y'all agree with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, obedience. It's a tough word, but I don't know, I, and it shouldn't be. Really, it's just recognizing authority and doing what authority says or, or submitting to something. And I, but but I, 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 I think we all would rather be obeyed than obey. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that's our, just the way we live. But I think, I think if we could flip our posture and go, okay, how can I obey what God's doing in my life? How can I be obedient? My, my grandfather used to say this, obedience is always better than sacrifice. Always. Sacrifice oftentimes is what has been done, paying for what has been done, making a way for what can come. But obedience is actually pushing into what is, pushing into the next thing. Sacrifice often is looking backwards, paying for what's been done. But obedience is actually us allowing ourselves to step into the future of what God wants to do. And so even though, the, even the people of Israel, would you look in the Old Testament, they would be, uh, they would sacrifice, but it wasn't for the sake of them being able to do what God's called them to do. It was to pay for what they had already done. And then they were to be obedient in doing what God tells them to do next. And sometimes what we want to do is be sacrificial in everything, and it's, there's no problem with that. Do that. Like, lay aside some things. Some of you are fasting during our 21 days of prayer, which ends next week. Some of you are just hearing about it. Jump in. It's all good. Seven days of prayer is just as great. It's awesome. But, but we, sometimes we, we're fasting, and that's great. Like, do that. But make sure that you, that puts you in a place and a posture of then obedience. That when God says go, you go. When God says stay, you stay. When God says even though you don't like it, go ahead and be there anyways, do that. There's something about obedience because go back to relationship obedience is also built on trust so sometimes we don't obey because we aren't sure we trust that person and sometimes when we obey it's because we fully trust that person and if we can get to a place of trust then we will get to a place more willing to be obedient in fact um the Bible says it, uh, it, it later on in, in Psalms. Actually, I don't, don't want to wait for that. I'm going to end with that. Galatians 5 says it this way. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. And what he's saying is we live. We have breath because of what the Spirit has done in us. When we receive Christ and the Holy Spirit shows up in our world, we live by the Spirit. So we should probably also then follow the Spirit. Verse 26, I wanted to address this because I feel like this is important. Paul has just talked about the result of living outside the Spirit and the result of living in. So you've, the fruit of the Spirit is, is right here. We, we've just come out of that section. He starts that section by saying, so let us be led by the Spirit. Let us, there's a, there's a decision to be made about who you're going to follow. There's a decision about who you're going to let guide you. So let the Holy Spirit guide us, and you will not fulfill your sinful desires. So you don't work on not fulfilling sin. You work on letting the Holy Spirit guide you, and he'll take care of the next part. It's a cause and effect. It's not here's two things to do. It's here's one thing to do, and watch as the other thing happens. Okay? And so he says, follow the Spirit, and you will not fulfill these. And then he says, this is what happens when you don't follow the Spirit. And then he goes into what happens when you do. You have the love and the joy and the peace, right? The fruit of the Spirit. And then he ends that portion of Scripture with, with this verse. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. 
Verse 26, here's what gets in the way of us being led by the Spirit. We must not become conceited. Now, it says provoking one another and, and envying one another, but understand that actually comes from the arrogance and the conceit that we would have. If we don't get conceited, then when it's all about us and just me and how I want to do it and what I deserve and what I need and what I want and, and get really, then I won't really be that jealous about other people and I won't cause other people to envy or provoke other people. But how many you know when you get conceited, you tend to provoke some people and you actually, even in your conceit, begin to get jealous about people, right? So what's the key to following the Holy Spirit? Don't get arrogant. Keep a level of humility in your life that says, you know, God, things are going okay. I still want to be led by you, and I want you to teach me and show me where I should go next. I would much rather, I would much rather follow a great leader than be a bad leader. I would much rather follow him in life than create for myself my own life, but it not be what God had intended it to be. And so we have a bunch of books out there on leadership. And I believe everybody's a leader somewhere, somehow. Absolutely. But I think we need more books on how to follow. How do we, fo how do we submit? How do we humble? How do we get behind God? How do we make sure our, the very first core value of this church is that God goes before us? We don't go with unless he goes. We don't make this decision unless he makes this decision. We're going to pray. We're going to seek God. We're going to worship together. And we're going to decide this thing based upon where God's going. Because I've found that he's going even if it looks dangerous or difficult or hard. Because you only need a guide when something's new or challenging. You don't need a guide when you've done it before and it's easy. You need a guide when it's new, you've never been there, and it's challenging. So the Holy Spirit's coming. It's just like the Holy Spirit being your comforter. You don't need comfort unless you're uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit is meant to come into our life and bring us to a place where we take steps and we and maybe we risk a little bit. We step out in faith. We, we really believe God that he's going to do something. And in those moments, we begin to discover a relationship with him we just never knew was possible. We, we discover this newness and freshness of life. And it's new and, and it's difficult and it's challenging, but we have a guide with us that's shaping us and making us in a wind and a fire that's saying, you know, you can do this. You can make this. Just stay connected to me because I want your life to bear fruit. I want your life to be successful. I want your life and success is based upon your individual design, not some cultural mandate. Success is not based upon what people tell you. It's based upon what God's created you. And so success might look different for you, but God's desire for you is very much his desire for you. Like he actually has a want for you. He actually has a plan and a purpose for you. He actually wants you to be fulfilled and fruitful. He wants you to live in what God's called you to live in. He wants heaven on earth. Why else would he put it in the prayer that we all pray? Lord, I want your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Who told you to pray that? Jesus. I want to see that, and then I'll take my daily bread, the provision it takes to see what you want to do in my life happen. Come on, heaven and earth, Jesus on every street and in every heart comes as we are led by him. I want to pray this uh, verse. I want, to, I want to pray this uh, verse with us. Uh, it's, it's out of Psalm four, uh, 143, Psalm 143, because here's, let me just give you, 
Here's what I really want you to understand. And I wrote this down because I wanted to make sure I said it the right way. The key to your transformation is not in the effort you apply to changing yourself, but the effort you apply to knowing the one who changes you. The key to your transformation in life is not you trying to do it yourself. It is in you giving everything you can to surrender yourself to who he is so that he can change you, so that he can produce in you and create in you. We, we've come a, become a culture that just gets to a place and maintains it. Man, let us be a church that never settles, that never believes we just arrived, that, that God is always willing to do more and to reach more and to love more and to show more faith and more hope and to give more gifts and to see people walk in fullness and fruitfulness of what God's called them to do. So, I'm one, so that there's, there's, there's two things that are key to you walking in, in this and being led by God and being led by the Spirit. It's, it's this, pray His Word. Now, I said it that way for a reason. Because I think prayer and the Word of God are the two most important things there are for you being able to listen and hear what God's saying. It, it, renewing your mind that you might be in a place where you can hear it when He says it. But pray His Word. So I'm going to pray this verse. I'm going to pray Psalm 143, verse 10 over us. And I want to pray because I want all of us to maybe these next few days and maybe next few weeks, I just want you to pray this verse. And, and so I'm going to pray. Would you just bow your heads with me? We're going to pray this verse and worship team can come on up, the rest of them. Psalm 143, verse 10 says it this way. We're going to pray it. Teach me to do your will. Teach me. Teach me to do your will. I just want you to hear these phrases and just I want you to pray them. However you would pray them. It doesn't have to be this wording. But God, teach me to do your will. For you are my God. You're my God. May your gracious spirit Lead me on level ground. God, teach me to do your will. For you're my God. Your gracious spirit, lead me on level ground, on a firm foundation. 